listening to Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. We now bring you pro-life activism from creation to death with Jim Sedlak. Hello and welcome to pro-life activism from creation to death. This is the program intended for all of those who are interested in restoring a culture of life to the United States. In this program, we try to keep you up to date on what's going on in the pro-life world, uh, bring you guests that uh, can talk about significant happenings, and uh, basically just to keep you informed and may have some suggestions for you on activism that you can take. Uh, and we will be doing all of that in today's program. Uh, but first of all, we want to begin our program the way we begin all of our programs, and that is by asking you to say a Hail Mary with me to ask our Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on all those involved with today's program so that we will get the message that she wants each of us to get at this moment. And so if you would join me, please. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for saying that prayer with me. It is always a good idea whenever you start a new activity during the day to call on the Blessed Mother to shower God's graces on that activity. And that is the reason that we, uh, we do that at the beginning of, of all of our shows. We have a lot of uh, happenings this week that we want to bring to you. First of all, I want to mention that last week, on our program, we had two lawyers from New York who are taking lawsuits or have brought lawsuits against the bill that Governor Cuomo signed two years ago into law uh, that basically uh, liberalized uh, the abortion laws in New York State uh, to the point where you can kill any baby anytime, just about uh, the uh, the health act in, in New York State was a, a travesty. If you want to uh, to listen to last week's program and, and get caught up to speed on that, uh, you can go to uh, our American Life League website. It's all.org and then forward slash audio, right? all.org forward slash audio. It is where we put all of our programs that are recorded uh, so that you can listen to them afterwards. So you you will find that program. It is program number 154, uh, and uh, it'll fill you in. And then you can look through the other list of programs that are on there. There's over a year's worth of programs up there, and uh, you can you know get caught up on some of the things that are going on. Our first item today is both going to be an information thing for you, but also an action thing. So I want to mention the action thing first, and I want to tell you what we're asking everybody to do, and then I'll tell you why, okay? Because we know that on the radio, uh, people sometimes have only a short time to listen. And so what we want everybody to do this week is to make phone calls to your United States senators. Now, every state has two United States senators. So there's a total of 100 of them. Uh, and we want you to call the two senators from your state. If you don't know who they are, uh, you can go to the website senate.gov, G-O-V, senate.gov, and you can find there right on that uh, website who the um, senators from your state are. 
We want you to call them either in Washington, D.C. or through their local offices in your state. And we want you to tell them that we do not want them to confirm a man named Xavier Becerra as the new head of the Health and Human Services Department of the United States. So it's do not confirm Xavier Becerra, B-E-C-E-R-R-A, as the new head of the Department of Health and Human Services. And, and now we're going to tell you why. But in case you have to get off the, uh, the radio uh, quickly, that's what we want you to do. Call either your senators, call both of your senators. I don't care whether Republican or Democrat. Uh, you know the Senate is, is equally divided. We have 50 Republicans, 50 people who vote Democratic. Uh, and so we need at least one or two Democrats to cross over to vote against in order to make this happen. So uh, we please ask you to uh, to do that. All right. Now, th why? Why do we not want Xavier Becerra as the new head of Health and Human Services? Now, if you're not familiar with the Department of Health and Human Services, it is basically the department that controls medical care here in the United States. It makes, you know, has divisions of it, like the Food and Drug Administration is part of the Health and Human Services. And there are a lot of other um, agencies that belong to the Department of Health and Human Services. And they're the ones that, for example, approve or don't approve um, vaccines. There are the people who approve uh, all kinds of medicine. There are people who approve the, the how medicines are used and what the regulations are on using medicines. Um, it, it's you know it's it's our top health program in the United States. It's our top health department in the United States. Now, the first reason to deny, uh, and by the way, I, I didn't mention first, but Joe Biden has nominated Xavier Pacera to be the next head of the Department of Health and Human Services. And now the Senate has to vote either to confirm or deny, his position as they, the head of that department. And so that's that's what is bringing all of this to a head at this moment. And Xavier Becerra and everything that I've just described to you about the Department of Health and Human Services did, Xavier Becerra has absolutely zero experience in the health field. None, all right? Uh, he is not a health expert. He is not a medical person. He ha has never been involved in running an agency that is responsible for health decisions. And now they want to put him as the head of the biggest organization in our country, the most powerful organization in our country, dealing with health care. Okay. And, and you might ask why, right? Why would they pick someone who has no experience in health care to head up the most important health care organization in our country? And the answer is basically a single word, abortion. Xavier Becerra loves abortion. Xavier Becerra hates pro-lifers. Right? He does everything he can to thwart pro-life people. Now, Xavier Becerra was a member of the House of Representatives for a number of years. And so we know about his voting in the House of Representatives. Uh, recently, within the last few years, he was appointed as the uh, district attorney 
uh, I'm sorry, as the attorney general of the state of California. He took the place of a woman named Kamala Harris when Kamala Harris was elected to be a senator from California. And she vacated the office of attorney general. And Xavier Becerra was put in in her place to replace her. OK. Um, and of course, you know that Kamala Harris stayed a senator for less than one term and is now the vice president of the United States. But Xavier Becerra, let me let me just give you a list of his anti-life credentials so that you will get a feel. Becerra is, is an enemy of every pro-life policy and law and has demonstrated complete disregard for the religious and moral convictions of those opposed to abortion. His record as California's attorney general and as a member of Congress just testifies to this position. To give you some ideas, uh, as attorney general, Becerra went out of his way to attack the pro-life policies and conscience protections being put in place by the Trump administration. He led the charge against Title X Protect Life Rule, which under Trump's administration successfully defunded Planned Parenthood of $60 million by insisting that those who get Medicaid payments do not perform or refer for abortions. Becerra led the charge to change that, to fight against that. Now, he lost when the previous administration was there, but um, he, he, Biden has already announced that he is going to change that and, and do away with the Protect Life rule. In another area, despite the Supreme Court already citing multiple times with Little Sisters of the Poor over the fact that they did not want to have to be mandated to provide contraceptive coverage for their employees since the providing of contraceptive coverage was um, against their religious belief. They're Catholic nuns. And Catholic, you know, Catholicism, of course, condemns contraception. And so, you know, in violation of their religious beliefs, they were being forced to provide contraceptive coverage they went to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court sided with them and said, no, you don't have to uh, do it. And Mr. Becerra is still to this day after the Little Sisters of the Poor to force them to violate their consciences and provide contraceptives. And by the way, you know, Joe Biden in his campaign said specifically that when he was president, he would direct his Department of Health and Human Services to go after the Little Sisters of the Poor. Once again, even though they've won at the Supreme Court twice, Biden says they're going to go after him, and he wants to put, as head of the Department of Health and Human Services, a man who has demonstrated that he will go after groups like the Little Sisters of the Poor and has and has in the past gone after them specifically. Also, Mr. Becerra has argued in opposition to following an existing law against healthcare entities to pay for or provide coverage or refer for abortions. It's a, it's a part of the law called the Weldon Amendment. And he calls the enforcement of that law illegal, all right? So an existing law in the United States 
But Kara says if you follow that law, it is illegal because it would reduce the amount of abortion in the United States. Right? And and just just remember that if Becerra would be respond if he was confirmed, he would be responsible for overseeing all of what we just talked about, the Title X program, establishing uh, federal preventive service mandates, right, and on enforcing the Weldon Amendment. So, you know, we're asking you, and I, we, we have a few more things that I just want to bring to your attention, but to repeat, we're asking you to call your United States senator, both of them, every state has two, both the United States senators from your state, and tell them you want them not to confirm Becerra as head of Health and Human Services. Right. He's a dangerous man. He is a pro-abortion man. Um, he is a Planned Parenthood man. Right? And, and he is just the wrong person for this office. He has no qualifications whatsoever to be in that position. So you call your two senators. Remember, if you don't know who your senators are, you can go to senator, senator, um, the Senate.gov, not S-E-N-A-T-E dot gov. And you can find out who your two senators are there and how to contact them if you don't know. And you can contact them either in Washington, D.C. or through their local offices in your state. A couple of other things that Mr. Becerra has been up to. right? He has taken pregnancy centers to court to enforce California's so-called Reproductive Fact Act. Right? What it said is that every pregnancy center, every pregnancy resource center in the state of California, when a woman came in, they had to tell her how to get an abortion, where she could go to get an abortion. They had to be able to direct her for an abortion. And in any literature that they printed or in any billboard they put up to advertise the work of the Pregnancy Resource Center, they had to include in that document, whether it be a pamphlet, whether it be an educational sheet, whether it be a billboard, they had to include in that how to get an abortion. And the type for that part of the, let's say the billboard, had to be in as large a letters as the rest of the billboard, or in a pamphlet in the same type of lettering as large as the rest of the pamphlet. Right? It was Becerra making every pregnancy resource center in California to be a referral service to abortionists. This got defeated. This got you know taken down. It was unconstitutional. And once again, it went to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court said, no, this is unconstitutional. It's a violation of free speech rights. You can bet that if Becerra takes over as head of the Department of Health and Human Services, there will be something very similar to this that he will push through at the federal level. And we don't need that. We don't need these attacks. More recently, Becerra actions to exploit the COVID-19 pandemic to expand abortion in the state of California, right? As most Americans sought to direct resources to essential health services, Becerra led a letter of pro-abortion state attorney generals who sought to use public health emergency to lift federal restrictions on the abortion pill. Okay, now let me explain that just a little bit. Under the current FDA rules, if one is to prescribe the abortion pill, 
the two pill regimen that allows a woman to take a pill to kill the baby and then a second pill to expel the baby and, and sometimes doing this at home or you know not in the clinic. In order to do this, the, the rules at the FDA said in order to protect the woman, in order to give her the knowledge that she needs in order to take these pills, the pills had to be prescribed by a medical professional and she had to pick them up from a medical office, right? It could be a doctor's office, it could be a clinic, it could be a hospital, but she had to pick them up. Uh, and the intention of that was that the person at the medical facility could then make sure that she knew what these this was all about. She knew what the effects of taking these pills were, and she could make an, you know, have some knowledge about what is going to happen. During the pandemic, Planned Parenthood and other pro-abortion people got a judge to say, no, they, let's suspend that requirement and let's let them just mail the pills to the women. Okay. Um, for those of you who are just tuning in, my name is Jim Sedlak and you are listening to Pro-Life Activism from Creation to Death on RadioMaria.us, a Christian voice in your home. We've been talking so far on the program about trying to stop Xavier Vaquera uh, from becoming the, the next head of the Department of Health and Human Services and going over all the reasons why. And uh, we encourage everybody to contact their senators and let them know. Okay. But that's not the only news this week, but it, it's probably the most pressing news of what's going on. Um, you know, I come to remind everybody that, that the way our Congress works is that members of the Senate are elected for six-year terms. And so once elected, they don't run for re-election for another six years. Members of the House of Representatives are elected for a two-year term. And every member of the House of Representatives is up for re-election every two years. And so that two-year window from when the, the elected representatives come in and start until they end and the next group comes in, it may be the same people coming back if they get reelected, but every that two-year period is referred to as a specific Congress, okay? The ones that were in effect in, in the, the Congress that was in existence from for 2019 and 2020 was known as the 116th Congress, okay? The one that started in January last month and will be in existence for the next two years is the 117th Congress. Now, please understand that when you introduce a bill, if you're a member of the House of Representatives or if you're a member of the Senate, and you introduce a bill in Congress, that bill exists only until that Congress is over with. And so all the bills that were introduced in the 116th Congress are all gone, okay? They, they cease to exist on January 1st, 2021, when the 117th Congress started operation. Now, I say this because what I'm going to mention now is that since January 1, actually since January 4th, because that's when the House of Representatives um, started the, the new Congress, uh, since that time, there have been a myriad of bills that have been introduced at the congressional level, both in the House and in the Senate, 
This is not unusual. This happens every two years because any bill that didn't get passed or rejected in the previous Congress has to be reintroduced. And so you will hear uh, a lot of information about pro-life bills being introduced. You know, they, they'll come out and, you know, and, and, and just tell you, you know, well, the, you know, the Borderline Infant Protection Act has been reintroduced. Uh, reintroduced um, the you know all of these kinds of things and the you know you'll say well I thought that was already there well it's no it's because we're in a new Congress they all have to be reintroduced and so that is what is going on uh, in the Congress um, and and so we're in that initial phase that initial couple of months when all of these bills get introduced and so I want to explain to you why you may be hearing about a lot of pro-life bills being introduced, um, or so-called pro-life bills, um, that that uh, you thought were already there. And, and so I've, I've explained that. So uh, all the bills that, that uh, are being introduced, there are a lot of bills that are being labeled incorrectly, I believe, as pro-life bills. And I say the word incorrectly because most of them have exceptions in them. And if you've listened to this program for any period of time, you know that I am one of those, one of many, many pro-lifers across the United States who believe we need to save every baby every time. And when we introduce a bill that has exceptions, for example, exceptions for rape or incest, that may sound right, but what it's really saying when you introduce a bill that says we want to end all abortions once the heartbeat is heard, except for those that are a result of rape and incest. Well, what are you saying? You are saying that a child conceived in rape is inferior to a child conceived in a normal marriage. They're not. They are human beings created by God for a purpose. We have no right to kill any human beings, and our legislation ought to reflect that. Now, the, red, the legislation, as it goes through Congress, can get changed, and restrictions can be added to it, but it should not be introduced that way, because we should be trying to save every baby every time. And the organization I work for, American Life League, it is one of their founding principles to save every baby every time. And there are other pro-life groups that also have that, but there are many who are satisfied to introduce legislation that have exceptions in them. Personally, I do not call them pro-life bills. I call them what they are, and that is abortion regulation bills, right? They allow abortion to take place only in certain circumstances. Well, that's a regulation of abortion that is not an ending of abortion. And we see the results of this kind of normal activity when polling companies take a poll of the people in the United States and ask them questions about abortion. And usually at the beginning of each year, in January, there are some polls taken and released, and there were again this year. And I'm going to mention names of people who took the polls, and I'm not condemning them right, for taking the polls, 
or for the result. We're happy they took the polls. We're happy they got the results, but I'm condemning the results, which are how the people feel. And if you take one of those, well, first of all, Gallup, the polling company, does this poll every year. Every year they, they do a poll that says, you know, are you against all abortions all the time? Are you in favor of all abortions all the time? Are you in favor of, of some abortions? Uh, and then maybe examines particular reasons. And Gallup has been very consistent. In the last poll that they took in 2020, last year, they found that 20% of the American population was against all abortions all the time. Okay, 20%. You might be interested to know that back in 1975, the year that they first took that poll and first asked that question, the answer that they got, all abortions all the time, was 22%. Right. So from 1975 to 2020, we have lost two percent not gained it lost it and even if we had gained two percent that wouldn't be much of a gain but we didn't even gain that much in january the students for life of america came out with a poll and they asked the similar similar questions and one of their questions was are you against all abortions all the time uh, and this was limited to the the younger generation and the answer they got was 15 percent of americans we're against all abortions all the time. Not even as high as the Gallup poll, 15%. The Knights of Columbus did a poll through the Maris Polling Company, and they asked the same question. Are you against all abortions all the time? And their results was 12%. But the Knights of Columbus poll also sought to divide the results and report the results by whether or not the person identified themselves as pro-life or pro-choice. And the result of, of those numbers was that when you consider only the people who self-identified as pro-life, only 23% of them said that abortion should be illegal in all cases. 35 years later, or 45 years later, we're still fighting to get people to accept the fact that there should not be any abortions in this country, that all abortions should be illegal. We're not winning this battle, and we need to win this battle. And so when we report on what's going on in Congress, when you see this so-called pro-life bill, read the bill, okay? You can always read the bill by going to congress.gov, which is the website that has all the bills that are being introduced in Congress. You usually have to wait you know, four or five days after the bill is introduced, especially at this time of the year, to be able to get the text. But if you put in the bill number that you see is being talked about, uh, and then when you get to the bill, that page, just click on text, you can read the text of the bill. And you can decide for yourself whether it's a pro-life bill or not. But I encourage you to do that. Don't just believe somebody else's description of what is or is not a pro-life bill. And if you will do that and then insist that legislators look only at pro-life bills, uh, we will start to make some progress. But 
we need to do that. So it's another action item as well as giving you information on what to look for when people are saying we're introducing pro-life bills in Congress, because sometimes these pro-life bills are not, you know, one of the interesting, one of these bills that I've read over and over again and in various state forms and federal forms is the Born Alive Unborn Infant Protection Act or something that's called close to that. And I encourage you to read that act. It's not as long as some of the others. It is very specific on what care needs to be given to a child that is born alive after a failed abortion. Right? It really lays it out. It, it says, you know, medical professionals must do this. The baby must be transferred to a hospital. Right? The baby cannot be killed. Okay, uh, you must do all of this, and there are penalties in most of these bills that you know have thousands and thousands of dollars in fines and years in jail for violating this. This is all really good stuff, but every one of the bills that I've looked at, and if someone finds one that doesn't have this in it, I, I would appreciate if you send it to me. Um, but every one of the bills that I have seen has a item in it that says the mother of the child, this is now the woman who went into the abortion facility to have her child killed by the abortionist, the mother of the child cannot be held accountable for breaking any of the rules that we've set here. So the Born Alive Unborn Protection Act protects the baby from everybody but his or her mother the same person who came in to have him killed in the first place. She can kill him after he or she is born alive and she cannot be prosecuted for it. That's what these bills say. I'm not making this up. Read the bills, right? It, it's crazy. It's really crazy out there. We, we've got to stop abortion, but you don't stop abortion that way. You stop abortion by writing bills that say abortion is illegal under any circumstances for any reason. People say life of the mother. Well, guess what? Any honest medical professional abortionist or not will tell you that there is never a reason to abort a child to protect the life of the mother. And aborting the child does not cure the medical condition that the woman has. The one exception in, that you could pro possibly cite would be an ectopic pregnancy. But even in an ectopic pregnancy, the, you should be treating the infection and perhaps cutting out the section of the fallopian tube that is um, inflamed and infected and if the baby dies as an indirect result of that then that's not an abortion it is treating the mother and the baby happens to die other than that even life of the mother is a not a correct way to work or not a correct thing to have in the bill as a matter of fact many years ago Oh, 20 years ago, American Life League put out a statement that said it, there, it is never necessary to abort a child to save the mother. And we've invited medical professionals to read our statement and then sign or not sign. And we've had over 500 medical professionals sign that document. We can go back to, to uh, Alan Guttmacher, the, uh, one of the founders of, of Planned Parenthood and um, one former president of Planned Parenthood, uh, he himself, a doctor, who said, no, it's never necessary. This is back in the 1970s. He said, it's never necessary to kill the child to save the mother's life. This is 
a pro-abortion doctor. Bernard Nathanson said the same thing. You know, we, we, we really have to start holding our people, especially our elected people, holding them responsible for creating pro-life bills because unless we get that, we're in real trouble, okay? Uh, there is another battle going on in Congress uh, with the Hyde Amendment. Now, the Hyde Amendment is not perfect either. It does have exceptions in it. But the Hyde Amendment does protect some of the, pre prevent federal money from paying for a lot of the abortions that are out there. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And there is a big fight in Congress, particularly coming down from Biden, to do away with the Hyde Amendment so that all federal money can be used if they want to, to for abortions and to expand federal payments for abortions. Now, people think, you know, they, the Hyde Amendment says, you know, no federal money for abortions. And so people say government can't fund abortions because of the Hyde Amendment. Well, the Hyde Amendment only refers to federal abortions. It doesn't, I mean, federal money payments for abortion. It doesn't affect state money payments for abortions. And states who collect their own income taxes, as you well know, right, have the ability to pay for abortions with state money. And there really is no restriction on that in most states. And of the 50 states, there are 15 states that restrict that. But the rest of them are able to do that. And in fact, um, in a in a uh, a uh, listing uh, that the uh, Kaiser Family Foundation published uh, last September, September of 2020, uh, they documented that there are 16 states who use their own state funds to pay for elective abortions. Okay, 16 states. Right, I'll, I'll read them off quickly to you, and if yours is one of them, you know what you got to do. Right. The states include Alaska, Arizona, California, Connecticut, Hawaii, Illinois, Maryland, Massachusetts, Minnesota, Montana, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York, Oregon, Vermont, and the state of Washington. Okay. If you want copies of this, um, you can you can uh, email me, uh, J Sedlak, J S E D L A K at all.org. So jsedlak at all.org. Uh, you can also get this kind of information by going to the American Life League website, all.org, and signing up to get their Pro Life This Week publication. It comes out every Friday, and a lot of the information I'm reading you uh, today is in today's Pro Life This Week from American Life League. Um, it, it comes out every Friday. It's free. It simply goes into your um, inbox over 10,000 people in the country already subscribe to it. It costs nothing. Just go to all.org. There will be a thing that comes up to give you an opportunity to, uh, to uh, subscribe to several different newsletters. I would recommend Pro-Life This Week. And I would also recommend the Wednesday Stop Report, which is the publication that is all about Planned Parenthood. It doesn't talk about any other thing other than Planned Parenthood stuff. Uh, and I write that one. So, of course, I'm going to recommend that one. Um, but a lot of good publications coming out of American Life League, and you can sign up for them uh, if you want. So uh, these are these are the things that are going on. Um, one last thing I just want to mention to you, and I know we're short on time. Um, 
Planned Parenthood this week was in the news all the week because of the fact that Planned Parenthood has become uh, the second, according to them, the second largest provider of transgender hormone therapy in the nation. They help girls trans transgender into boys. They help boys transgender into girls, although the girls to the boys seems to be their most popular uh, service. Uh, and what was what was demonstrated in a, uh, uh, a, a newsletter written by Abigail Schreier, S-H-R-I-E-R, um, is that the, the activities at Planned Parenthood are just absolutely atrocious. They bring these girls in. Um, they hand them a sheet of uh, paper that says, here are all the possible side effects. Um, the person who hands them the paper, who may or may not be a trained counselor, uh, says, you know, if you have any questions, let me know. Otherwise, sign it. Uh, once they sign it, they've given their consent to transgender services. And they, normally they walk out that day with a prescription for testosterone that once they start taking it and have taken it for a little while, uh, they have to take it for the rest of their lives. And Planned Parenthood has a lifelong customer paying money, taking the drugs, the hormone drugs. Just absolutely horrendous. You've got to read the articles and stuff to do that. Uh, this last week's Wednesday stop report is a complete report on this whole thing. Um, and you can get that. Um, you can go to the, to the stop website, which is the website uh, of Fighting Planned Parenthood. It's stopp.org. Uh, and you can go there and you can um, actually print out a copy if you want. You can read the whole Wednesday stop report there. You can print out a copy and you can see all of the past Wednesday stop reports. Um, so it's all there at stop, S-T-O-P-P, two P's, dot org. Um, and, and it's there. So we've given out a lot of information, a lot of websites to go to. Again, if you, if you, uh, you know, th this show, um, if everything goes right, we'll be up on our website, uh, all.org slash audio uh, next week so that you can listen to it back. But if you just want a list of all of the websites that we've talked about, uh, and all of the material, just uh, just send me an email, jsedlack at all.org, and we'll be happy to to email it out to anybody who asks for it. And it's all free. There's no charge for any of this. We just try to get the information out. We try to get it so that people actually know what is going on. And we, we hope that, that it will be useful to you. So uh, those are the, the main happenings this week, okay? Uh, it has been a busy week. And let me remind you before we go off the air, call your state senators, the two state senators from your state that are in the United States Senate, and tell them to vote no on Xavier Becerra as head of the Department of Health and Human Services. If, if you remember nothing else from today's program, Call your senators, tell them to vote no on Xavier Becerra. It is absolutely essential that we keep this man from being head of the Department of Health and Human Services. And I mentioned to you all the reasons, including the fact that he has no experience in the health field. His only experience is being an advocate for abortion. That's it. So you know what's the whole tenure of the Department of Health and Human Services will become if he becomes the leader of that group. So I want to thank you all for listening today. I hope it's been useful for you. 
and that we will end our program the way we end all of our programs, and that is by asking our Blessed Mother Mary, please spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Thank you so much for listening.